listening and read C.S. Lewis, Chronicle of Narnia. C.S. Jack Lewis, 1898 to 1963. About a hundred years ago, two young boys were out of an afternoon walk. They were brothers and best friends. As they drew closer to home, they saw a brilliant rainbow which appeared to the end of their own front yard. Jack said to his older brother Warren, Look, the rainbow ends right between the gate and the front door. Come on, let's get a shovel and find the pot of gold. The boys dug with all their might, creating a very large hole. At nightfall, tired and discouraged, they went inside with plans to dig deeper in the morning. Soon after, their father came from the home from the office and fell into the hole. His hat flew off, his legal papers scattered across the yard. He went inside, his business suit covered with dirt. Quite naturally, he was upset. He thought the boys had set a trap for him. He loved his sons, but their vivid imaginations for him, his vivid imagina- their vivid imaginations and adventurous spirits often tried his patience. Jack and Warren Lewis, lived with their parents in Belfast, Northern Ireland, in a large three-story brick house (coughs) with a view of the sea and surrounding hills. The boys liked the long hallways and sunlit rooms, but what they liked best was the attic. The attic ran the full length of the house and echoed with the sounds of gurgling water pipes and wind whistling through the roof tiles. They laid claim to one of the attic rooms where no one could disturb them. Their attic room was well stocked with paper, paints, chalk, and pencils. Here the boys drew pictures and wrote stories, and here they created an imaginary world. Through Jack, though Jack was the younger, he was clearly the most creative. Jack's real name was Clive, but he, when he was four years old, he said, My name is Jacksy. Ever after, his family and friends called him Jack. Jack delighted in the tales of knights and battle and stories of dressed animals like those in the books of P. Trix Potter. So he created an animal land. King Bunny resigned assisted by Sir Peter Mouse and Sir Ben the Frog and many others. Not content to just describe and and illustrate animal land and its characters, Jack created an entire history stretching back over a thousand years. Warren also had his make-believe world called India. He made detailed maps and charts of the land, including timetables and coming and going of ships and trains. The boys put their two lands together and called it boxing. Boxing grew and developed for many years. While Warren was away in England 
in England at boarding school, Jack wrote often to tell him the latest happenings in boxing. Once he wrote, at present, boxing is slightly convulsed. The news had just reached her that King Bunny is a prisoner. The the Persians and Boxians are fearful at fearful odds against each other. General Quickstep is planning, is making plans for the rescue of King Bunny. Mr. and Mrs. Lewis loved to read, and their home was crammed with books. To Jack's young eyes, there appeared to be books everywhere, endless books. Books in study, books in the drawing room, books in the cloak, clock room, books books too deep in the great bookcase on the landing, books in the bedrooms, books piled shoulder high in the attic. Jack and Warren read many of them. Miss Lewis, Mrs. Lewis homeschooled the Jack in French and Latin and literature. But before his 10th birthday, his mother died of cancer. Much of the happiness and security in his life disappeared with her. Soon after, after her death, Jack's father spent, sent him far away to an English boarding school. And so began many years of loneliness and difficulty, broken up by short periods of happy holidays at home with Warren and his father. At age of 18, Jack Lewis won the scholarship of Oxford, the oldest and most famous university of England. He excelled his studies and eventually became an English instructor there. Though his school and college days, Lewis had become an atheist, someone who denies that God exists. Being being a proud and self-sufficient man, he thought himself too sophisticated to believe in God. Besides, he saw God as an interferer, and he wanted to be left alone. As a respected teacher at Oxford, he looked forward to a life devoted to himself as long as he pleased. But as he later wrote, God, the great angler, played his fish, and I never dreamed that his hook was in my mouth. His coming to Jesus Christ started slowly. Lewis began to realize that his favorite authors were Christians. He wrote about the life full of wonder and joy, Christianity at least for some, and not merely the set of rules. Then refined some bright Oxford men who believed the Bible and who showed him that were strong historical facts to support the Christi- Christianity. For several years, he read more about Christianity and continued to argue with his, uh, with his friends about their faith in Christ. One, then, one sunny, sunny morning, it happened. Lewis, deep in thought, sat in a sidecar of his brother's motorcycle and on the way to the zoo. When we set out, Lewis wrote, 
I did not believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, and when we reached the zoo, I did. Although Lewis continued to teach at Oxford, the the work of his life changed dramatically. With Christian students, he formed a sarcastic club which hoisted Monday evening debates and discussions between Christians and non-Christians. As Lewis' wit and intellect became widely known, it became more difficult to find opponents of Christianity willing to speak. Students filled the chairs and spilled on the floor in order to hear Lewis challenge the views of unbelievers. Once a philosopher, a relativist, ended his speech saying, The world does not exist, England does not exist. Oxford does not exist, and I am confident that I do not exist. When Lewis rose to reply, he said, How can I talk to a man who is not there? Using his gifts for thinking and writing clearly, he wrote books that showed how Christianity alone makes sense of the world. I believe in Christianity, he wrote, as I believe the sun has not risen, not only because I can see it, but I, but because by it I see everything else. <sighs> Many people who never ro- would have opened the Bible or darkened the door of a church read a church read his books and and were drawn to Christ. During the during the early dark days of the World War II, German warplanes bombed London, destroying homes and apartments and killing thousands. The British government wanted to move as many children as possible away from the danger of the city, and so the call went out to the English countryside for help. C.S. Lewis, like many of his countrymen, opened his home, an old brick house near a pond, to a needy chi- to the new needy children. Since he was unmarried, with no children of his own, he took in several boys and girls. As Lewis got to know the children, he was surprised by how little they read and how dull their imaginations seemed to be. Remembering the books and make-believe world of his childhood, he knew how much they were missing. One day, one of the girls, busy exploring the house, grew curious about the large old wardrobe in the spare room upstairs. May I go inside of it? she asked Lewis. He opened the door and let her poke out round the heavy coats hanging inside. I wonder if there's anything behind it, she said. The girl left the room and rushed outside to play, but her question set his mind to work. He decided to write a story for the children to encourage her imaginations and to point them about Jesus Christ. Lewis entitled the story, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. 
It begins, once there were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, and Edmund, and Lucy. This story is about something that happened to them when they were set away from London during the war because of air raids. They were sent to the house of an old professor who lived in a great in the heart of the country. The adventures began when Lucy steps into a bedroom wardrobe and finds that it leads to a magical world called Narnia. It's full of fawns, dwarves, and talking animals. A white witch has cast her evil spell over Narnia, making it always winter and never Christmas. Aslan, the lion true king of Narnia, breaks her spell by sacrificing his own life for the sake of others. Aslan rises from the dead, conquers the witch, and brings peace to the land. Lewis wanted children to see the connection between Aslan's victory and the triumph of Christ's death and resurrection. Following this first story, he wrote a series of books about Aslan's world called the Chronicles of Narnia. In August of 1941, the Nazi Germany appeared invincible and fear about the future troubled the minds of the Englishmen and women. Lewis delivered the series of radio talks on the Christian faith. I remember one man said, being at the pub filled with soldiers on one Wednesday evening. At a quarter of to eight, a bartender turned the radio up to hear Lewis. You listen to this bloke. Block, he shouted. He's really worth listening to. The soldiers did listen attentively for the entire talk. His rich voice was quick wit. He defended Christianity logically, convincingly, urging people to follow Jesus. If you look to yourself, Lewis told his radio listeners, you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look to Christ and you will find him, and with him everything else thrown in and everything else thrown in. One man, influenced by Lewis, said, the war, the whole life, everything tended to seem pointless. We needed a key to the meaning of the universe. Lewis provided just that. Better still, he gave us back our old traditional Christian faith so that we could accept it with new confidence. The chief chaplain, of the Royal Air Force invited Lewis to talk to the serviceman. He traveled away every weekend for months, speaking at RAF bases across the country, trying to persuade the airmen to believe in Christ. After the war, British Prime Minister Winston Churchill praised Lewis for all his efforts during the war. Lewis wrote many books, and nearly all of them came them, and all, nearly all of them became bestsellers. But Lewis was not a wealthy man because he gave away the money. Gave away the money. He gave away the money 
he made on his Christian books to ministries and charities. Although C.S. Lewis died in 1963, his books continue to show people the way to Jesus Christ. Nearly 50 million copies of his books are in print today and many in different languages. So that was C.S. Lewis. Bye guys, see you later. See you later, see you later, see ya, see ya, later, bye guys.